Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. If I should lose the election, I can only say my responsibility while I fill this chair is not to ensure re-election, but to preserve the union. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. This week's Mr. President drama will begin in just a moment. But first, a word about our purpose in presenting this series. To Americans, there are no more stirring stories in the world than the stories of the lives of the men who became presidents of the United States. Their deeds are sources of inspiration and courage to young and old alike. People today are more interested than ever to know the intimate, interesting, and inspiring facts about the lives of their presidents, the men who became the leaders of their country. Now, for the first time in radio history, the American Broadcasting Company takes listeners behind the White House reception rooms and ballrooms glittering with gold braid and famous personalities into the privacy of the breakfast room and study, where presidents are shown as individuals with human doubts, laughter, love, and faith. And now, listen to Mr. President and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. Here's a story that happened a few years ago in Washington. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the president was. It was a busy day in Washington and everyone wanted to see the president. I've got to see the president. My news is imperative and he should have it at once. I know that, Ralph, but what can we do? He's kept us waiting over an hour already. Well, he knows you and I are here and he knows the importance of your news. What on earth could be more important than the situation in the South? I don't know, but whatever it is, it must certainly be of primary importance because he's keeping foreign affairs and internal affairs outside that door this morning. Who do you suppose is in there with him? I haven't the slightest idea. And you know the only way we're going to find out. Oh, sure, sure I know. Wait. I'd like to be a mouse in the corner in there right now. So would I. So would I. You asked her to marry you? What do you mean you asked her to marry you? I mean I asked her to marry me. You had no right to ask her to marry you. No gentleman asks a girl to marry him. He doesn't? No, he does not. He asks her father. Well, I don't want to marry her father. Now, son, don't be contrary. You know very well what I mean. Father might say no. He's smarter than she is. That's hardly a very gallant attitude. How can you wish to marry a girl that you don't think is smart? 
Who cares whether she has brains? You should. Look, Father, I discovered a long time ago that a girl either is pretty or she has brains. Oh, did you? And if she has brains, she's not for me. I like them pretty. Oh, your mother, God rest her soul, had both brains and beauty. Yes, but she's dead. And there's never been anyone else like her. You're quite right, son. There's never been anyone else quite like her. Well, Andrew, we're digressing. So once more, you want to get married. I wish you wouldn't keep bringing up the other times. I I was a child all the other times. And now you consider yourself a man? Yes, sir. That is precisely the same representation you made to me the last times. Let's see. You were falling in love on an average of once a month all last year. Now, th- that's unjust, Father. I-, I only remember eight girls last year. Well, don't you think eight was a good many? Well, I had to learn about women, didn't I? If I hadn't gone with so many, how would I know I was really in love now? Well, if only your mother had lived, maybe she'd know what to say to you. I know all boys go through a stage of acting like a moonstruck calf, but you've certainly had a double dose of it. I'm not calf-struck. Moonstruck? All right, moonstruck. I am in love, eternally and forever. Her life and my life, her soul and my soul, eternally and forever. And does she feel the same way? She says she does. And you're right about her brains. Father, did you have me come in here so you could make fun of me? No, I didn't. I had you come in here because her father was in here this morning complaining about your bad manners and speaking to the young lady instead of to him. Well, how can you stop to think of manners when you're in love? Did you? Oh, son, son, are you really so sure that as young as you are, this is the real thing and you're ready to settle down? Yes, sir. I am. All right. All right. I'll accept your words at their face value. I'll write a letter to the major and apologize for you being so far swept off your feet as to forget your manners and tender your proposal to the young lady instead of to her father. And then I will ask him to give your proposal his favorable attention. You you will? Yes, I will. Thank you. Father, you've made me the happiest man in the world today. Well, I certainly hope so, my son. Now you'd better get to your studies, and will you ask the gentleman waiting to see me to come in, please? Yes, sir. Uh, will, you, uh, will you write the letter today so I can take it to her father this evening? Yes, I will. Uh, Thank you, Father. <coughs> Hello, Father. Right. Uh, father says to go right in, gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry to keep you waiting, gentlemen, but uh, we were in the middle of a very serious domestic crisis. Well, that's quite all right, Mr. President. Ralph has important news for us from South Carolina, Mr. President. Good news? Well, it's, uh, it's rather frightening. What's happened? South Carolina, as you know, is upset about the tariff passed by Congress. Yes, I know that. In retaliation, she's adopting a policy of nullification. Well, now, exactly what is nullification, Ralph? Well, the principle of nullification is that a state can annul a law of Congress which it considers unconstitutional. Oh, that's outrageous. It's based on the theory that the national government is an agent of the states of the Union. Of all the states or of any special state? If that theory were to be allowed to go into practice, it could be more destructive to our nation than actual secession. If the South were to secede, the Union would be cut in half. But if nullification were to become possible, the Union could be dissolved state by state. And uh, the nullifiers are led by the Vice President of the United States. Oh? Well, I'm certainly sorry and disappointed to hear that. Ralph says that South Carolina is being alerted to a preparation for war. They're adopting resolutions to the effect that 
South Carolina looks to her sons to defend her in any crisis that may develop. If South Carolina and the rest of the South isn't granted some sort of relief from this latest tariff, I... Well, I don't know just what might develop in the South. Is the rest of the South in sympathy with South Carolina's idea about nullification? I don't know. I don't think they know yet, but you can't tell when they might swing that way. Mm, the tariff should be modified. I feel very strongly about that. But my attitude and Congress's attitude are two different things. Now, there is no question about it. That tariff does favor the manufacturers in the North at the expense of the South. What can we do, Mr. President? Well, let me think about it. Perhaps Congress might be persuaded to pass a bill modifying the law. But something must be done. I will not tolerate rebellion during my administration. Is that you, son? Yes. Me, all right. Well, come in and sit down for a minute. I've got a nice fire here. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm not feeling very good, Father. Well, come in and sit a minute. There's something wrong. Yes. I'm through with women. Forever, completely, irrevocably. Oh, no. Let's talk about There's no this. use trying to persuade me to change my mind. My mind is made up. I, I may go into a monastery. Did you take the letter to the Major? Yes, I took it. What happened? Did he say No. She said no. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yesterday, she said our lives would be forever one. She said it, and I believed it. Did you remind her of that? I certainly did. And she said, oh, that, that was yesterday. But someone said women are deceivers ever. And he sure knew whereof he spake. Spoke. Don't change the subject. All right, spake. That's all right. And to think I thought I loved her. No. Life certainly shows us, doesn't it? Yes, sometimes it does. Now, son, you know, you've just helped me solve a problem that was worrying me. Really? Well, I'm always glad to help you, Father. Yes, you have. All evening I've been sitting here worrying about what to do about a situation in South Carolina. But I think the best thing to do might be to do nothing. And just see if life doesn't show them the error of their ways, too. Maybe I'll go abroad and be a hired soldier. Son, uh, how about helping me out on something? What? Well, things haven't been going too well on the farm with neither you or me there. I wish you'd go down and keep an eye on things for me. Oh, you don't really need me. You're just trying to think of something for me to do. Oh, no, no, no. You're wrong there, son. I do need you. You know, your mother and I both needed you so much that I went out one day and got you and brought you home to her in a big bandana handkerchief. You see, we wanted a child so much. And when we didn't have any of our own, we persuaded your own mother to let us raise you. And no child was ever so important to two people or more loved. And when my wife left me, you were all I had left in this world that was really close to me. You still are. And you always will be. Well, I, I never knew you, you felt like that. Well, men don't say those things as often as they should. But I do need you, son, and I do need someone on our land right now that I can trust. Well, then I'll go right away, sir. Hmm. Thank you, son. Thank you. Well, good night. Good night, Father.
Dear God, you helped me with him. Now help me with South Carolina. Come in, come in. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Charles. Come and sit down. I was just finishing reading a letter from the boy. How are things on the farm? Oh, he says they're going well. I hope I can manage a trip down there soon. You see, when you... Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't bear it. I really can't bear it. What's wrong? Listen to this. I've met a girl. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Her name is Flora, he writes. And she is all that any woman ought to be. And no woman ever was before. This is the real thing. This is forever. Our souls have met and recognized each other. Charles, I don't know what I'm going to do with that boy. Well, you know, if he doesn't watch out, he's liable to end up married. I really don't know which is more of a problem, my son or South Carolina. Well, Congress did pass a modification of the tariff, as you asked. Mm, this wasn't as much as the radicals asked for, but it certainly offered a better basis for discussion. But it hasn't stopped the nullifiers. It hasn't? No. Robert Hayne and a majority of the South Carolina delegation have issued a paper that they're calling an address, asking their constituents whether their liberties should be tamely surrendered without a struggle. How much do they think we can give? They want to know whether their liberties should be tamely surrendered without a struggle or transmitted undiminished to posterity. <laughs> well, I want word sent to the delegates from South Carolina before they leave for home. Uh, when they get to South Carolina, they can tell the nullifiers for me that they can talk and write resolutions and print threats to their heart's content. But if one drop of blood be shed there in defiance of the laws of the United States, I will hang the first man of them I can get my hands on to the first tree I can find. Well, you'd hardly go that far, Mr. President. Wouldn't I? When I begin to start to talk about hanging, Charles, you can begin to look for the ropes. All right. I'll convey that message to South Carolina. Now, what message are you going to convey to your son? I'm going to tell my son not to dare fall in love again without my express permission. Dear father, everything is fine here on the farm. I've had a good deal of time on my hands. I thought you would like to know that everything is fine and that I've met a girl. I'm sorry I couldn't wait for your express permission, but the moment I saw her, I knew that at last I had found that divine something that is the theme of the poets and the musicians. I tell you, Charlie, I'm at the end of my rope. Why, he told us all about Flora in his last letter. That was his last letter. This isn't Flora. No? No, this is Melanie. Melanie? Where did Melanie come from? And what happened to Flora? What happened to Mary and Jane and Dorothy and Ellen and Susie, Matilda and Martha and Elizabeth? That's what happened to Flora. Uh, that's what'll happen to Melanie. You know between South Carolina and that boy of mine, I'm about to... As far as I can see, they're both embarked on a program of nullification. No matter what I say, they're both going to nullify it. just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Savings bonds are one of the surest, safest investments you can make. Sure, because they're backed by Uncle Sam himself. 
you are sure of getting back $4 for every $3 you invest when the bonds mature in just 10 years because they're guaranteed by your government. Safe because you're carefully protected. Even if bonds are lost, destroyed, or stolen, your government will replace them at no charge. Ask your employer to set aside an amount of money from your pay, the amount that you decide on. Automatically, systematically, he'll buy a savings bond in your name through the payroll savings plan. If you're self-employed, use the bond a month plan at your bank. So save for your future independence by investing in extra U.S. savings bonds, the safest investment in the world. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. I'll have you guess who the president was when all this happened. It really did happen, you know, in Washington just a few years ago. Times were hectic in Washington, and the president was continually faced with new problems. The campaign for the next presidential term was going full tilt, and he was running for re-election. The nullifiers were all taking pot shots at him, and right in the middle of a very worried day, he received a letter from his son. Dear Father, I'm writing this letter to tell you I've got a surprise for you. Guess what? I'm ma uh, married! Married? Who's married, Mr. President? My son. Oh, Melanie finally got him, huh? It isn't Melanie. It's not Melanie? No, no, it's Sarah. Sarah? Sarah who? Well, let me finish reading the letter and I'll tell you. That's all right. Her name is Sa Sarah York. He met her in Philadelphia. Well, I thought he was staying on the farm. Well, he went into Philadelphia for a few days. A few days was all he needed. He has enclosed a letter from the girl. Well, I shall have to take a trip home and meet the new bride. But how can you leave Washington at this time? I shall have to leave it. Just as I have a responsibility to the country, I also have a responsibility to my son. I must meet Sarah. <laughs> How do you do, Mr. President? I'm honored indeed to meet you. How do you do, sir? I'm very happy to meet you. Uh, turn around, honey, and let him get a good look at oh, you. <laughs> don't pay any attention to him, Mr. President. He's just excited. Oh, it, it was very kind of you to let us stay here on the farm. I've done my best to keep things the way I thought you'd like them. Well, from what I've seen so far, you've done an excellent job. Oh, now, you must be tired after your journey. Your rooms are waiting whenever you're ready for them. Well, thank you. If you don't mind, I think I would like to rest a while. Father, isn't she wonderful? <laughs> you're luckier than you deserve, son. I'll say that oh. much. <laughs> Come on, Mr. President. I'll unpack those bags for you. Thank you, my dear. Sarah? Oh, Mr. President, I never dreamed you were still up. I, I came down for some water. I was just sitting here in front of the fire, thinking. Seeing you two young people together here has brought back a lot of memories. She was lovely, wasn't she? You remind me a good deal of her. There's something about the way you hold your head and the way you walk. I suppose once you've loved a woman and lost her... You see her again in every beautiful woman you meet. 
I've thought of her so often since I've been here. Using her things, touching things that she's touched. Looking into mirrors she once looked into. Yes, there is much to keep the memory of her alive in this house. Mr. President, I have something to tell you. You're going to be a grandfather. No. Yes, isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. I'll tell the world it's wonderful. <laughs> if it's a boy, we're going to name him after you and his father. But if it's a girl, we're going to name her for her grandmother. For my? Yes, for your wife. Thank you, my dear. I shall pray that it's a, it's a girl. I hope it is too, Mr. President. I hope it is too. Well, goodbye, Father. Goodbye, my son. And say, I thought you told me pretty girls never had brains. You've got the smartest, prettiest wife I ever saw, except for the one I married. Oh, oh Mr. President, please don't tell him I've got brains. I've been keeping it from him. Uh, Sarah, drink a lot of milk. Yes, Mr. President. I need plenty of eggs. I will. And get plenty of rest. And thank you. Thank you for marrying this foolish son of mine. Hey! Thank you for raising him. So I could marry you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Dad. Uh, don't let South Carolina secede from the Union. Don't you worry. No state is going to secede from the Union while I'm president. And uh, win the election. I intend to win the election, son. I intend to win it. <laughs> Gentlemen of the Cabinet, I am ready to hear the report on South Carolina. Mr. President, to put the situation in as few words as possible, it looks dangerous, sir. We can't get any sort of an accurate report from the customs houses down there. The nullifiers have asked for a convention to declare nullification of the revenue laws, and they've asked for troops to defend the state against federal aggression. I see. Well, gentlemen, the Navy is ready for sea duty. I've ordered the garrisons at Charleston changed so that they would be in the hands of officers we know to be loyal. And we are ready for any surprise attacks. Mr. President... We are concerned as to how the situation in South Carolina will affect the election. Well, I believe the situation in South Carolina in time will solve itself. To the satisfaction of South Carolina as well as to our satisfaction. And I don't believe the situation will in any way affect the election. Well, a lot of people are certainly trying to use it against you, Mr. Oh. President. <laughs> I have long since stopped worrying about the things people are using against me. If I should be mistaken, if I should lose the election, I can only say... My responsibility while I fill this chair is not to ensure my re-election, but to preserve the Union. I will preserve it without blood if possible, but if not, it must be preserved at all hazards and at any price. Yes... Oh, here you are, Mr. President. You know that people are hunting all over the White House for you? I just thought I'd sit here in my office for a while. Well, don't you want some lights on? No, not particularly. Well, you can't stay in here. The house is full of people waiting to congratulate you. Congratulate me? Yes, the election results are beginning to come in. And from all indications, you're going to win the popular vote by a margin of over 300,000 votes. Well, God be praised for that. Is there any reason why you've shut yourself up in here? Has anything happened? No, but I... I haven't had any word from Sarah. I mean, it's past time for her confinement. 
Oh, well, I'm sure she's all right. You'll probably get word tomorrow. What is... what is all that noise? Those are people celebrating your victory. Oh, I see. Well, I thought you'd be happy about it. I'm proud, but I'm not really happy. I'd like to retire to the farm. Well, one thing. This plurality of votes will help me solve the nullification problem. There's a letter on the desk from Joel Poinsett, our union leader down there. He wants grenades and small rockets. He says they're good for, for street fighting. I've been working on a message to Congress, too. Turn up the lamp. I'll read you part of it, if you like. I'd like to hear it. Uh, I, uh, I have said here that nullification is an uh, impractical absurdity. And that if this doctrine had been established at an earlier day, the Union would have been dissolved in its infancy. Admit this doctrine and every law for raising revenue may be annulled. That's certainly true. I'm taking the stand that nullification is unconstitutional. The Constitution forms a government, not a league. To say that any state may at pleasure secede from the Union is to say that the United States is not a nation. Charles, this is my opinion, and this is what I intend to enforce. Mr. President. Now, here you are, sir. Congratulations. Congratulations, Mr. President. May your second term be as glorious as your first. Well, I hope it'll be a little more peaceful. Mr. President. Yes? I have a special dispatch for you. Oh, oh give it to me, please. Give it to me. Oh, yes, it's from the children. Dear Mr. President, you have a granddaughter, and her name is Rachel. Oh, thank God, thank God. Gentlemen, this letter informs me that my grandchild has been born. A girl named Rachel. Well, this has certainly been a triumphant day for you after all, Mr. President. It has been indeed. It has been a most auspicious day Gentlemen, I am confident that we will solve the nullification problem and that all will be well with the Union. For this day has been a day I will long remember and bless as long as I live. I've been given new hours to serve and a new life to live for. Well, you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know. And you'll have the answer in just a moment. Here is a word that millions of people in Europe fear. It is as destructive as a weapon and just as deadly. It is hunger. One of the best ways we can help the people in Europe combat hunger is by sending food parcels through CARE. CARE sends food and clothing packages which provide more per dollar than individuals can supply any other way. For instance, one food package costing $10 contains 24 and a half pounds of food. CARE guarantees delivery of this food package to any individual or group in 11 countries in Europe and in Israel and Japan. So if you want to send a food package overseas, just mail $10 to CARE, give your name and address, and the name and address of the person the package is going to. And now, back to Edward Arnold. <laughs> Father, at last the nullification problem is settled. Are you pleased about it? No, not too pleased. At best, it was a compromise. 
The bills that have been passed are a strange contradiction. In one, they check the state's right to revolt. And in the other, they give them the thing they revolted for. So, in a way, South Carolina won in the way I won. And it wasn't a complete victory for either one of us. I'm sorry. I wish it could have been just the way you wanted it. Well, the thing that turned out just the way I wanted was my granddaughter. <laughs> She's as pretty as a picture, and I'm only sorry that her grandmother can't see her. Those two Rachels would have surely loved each other, I know. She certainly adores you. And one day I know she's going to be very proud to say, when I was born, my grandfather was president of the United States, President Andrew Jackson. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. Mr. President is produced and directed by Joe Graham. Edward Arnold can currently be seen in the MGM picture, Annie Get Your Gun. Heard with Mr. Arnold in today's cast were Gene Gillespie, Eric Tressler, Arnold Moss, James McCallion, and your narrator, Santos Ortega. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings and written by Gene Holloway. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This program was transcribed. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.